So, Chris, the people want to know our secrets. How did we get this podcast started? Yeah, kind of a crazy story. We were both coming into this from the YouTube side, have never really done anything podcast-wise. We looked around, found Anchor by Spotify, really great service. It's completely free to use. They have some great stuff that you can just upload straight onto the website. You can actually record on the website. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome into another episode of Sober in the State Soccer. My name is Chris, the MLS card guy. I am joined today uh, by my co-host, but not the normal co-host. We have the baseball co-host on the podcast today as Nashi is out with a family thing. Um, so we have Trippin B who's going to fill in today. How are you today, Trippin? I'm great. Absolutely great. My soccer club is in the uh, lowest point of its ex- expansion season, but I'm feeling great. So uh, my life, my life is brilliant. Does uh does the does the scoreline five nil mean anything to you? Ooh, it meant pain. It meant pain last <laughs> night at, at uh, midnight thirty as I was staying up late to watch it and uh, visiting some friends uh, out of town. So had a nice little weekend away here before the the American sports seasons all get started up again and I get busy. But uh, I watched a brilliant first half and then one of the most obscenely horrible <laughs> second halves that I've ever had to witness as a fan of a club for sure it was it was really bad it was worse than anything I'd seen and I can think as an Arsenal fan I can think back of like like losing 5-0 to Man United so in some low points in recent years uh back in the day and but this felt 10 billion times worse than that having to watch that and uh especially being among like old family friends who are like they're like, oh, this is your team? Like, uh, oh, the, you're a Charlotte fan? You know, that, you know, so, and, uh, you know, why do you waste so much of your time thinking about and uh, spending money on these guys? But that's the way it went. Well, I mean, no offense, but LAFC is maybe the best team we've seen in a long time in the MLS. So, like, it's not the worst thing in the world to just get pumped by them. Um, we are joined by a very special guest today. We have a man who does an Orlando City podcast, and we're going to talk a lot of Orlando City. Um, his name is Jorge, a.k.a. Taco Slayer. How are you today? Dude, I am great. I am happy to be here. I, I am happy that you guys asked me to be here. But I do have to correct you. I don't actually do an Orlando City podcast, oh, but I talk about right. them a lot on Twitter. But and I, I am the Orlando City guy, I guess, in the sober community from because I've met some of you guys in Orlando and then I've interacted with you guys and annoyed you on Twitter. So should should be a good time. Yeah, I'm pumped to have you on because we're definitely going to dive a lot into uh, into Orlando and talk about one of my favorite players, Fakuda Torres, for sure. Um, but let's start off with uh, another crazy week, another ton of goals all over the place. Um, now, I had a game, so I was working yesterday, so I didn't get to watch anything. Um, but I guess we'll start out with Orlando, who had the first first day of the or first game of the day, got a massive one nothing win over the New York Red Bulls. And I guess we'll start with you, Jorge, as the Orlando fan. How big a deal is this? Like this gets them a, a, a heck of a lot closer to the playoffs. I think it's relief at this point. I think the myself and the entire fan base is so torn because we are in the open cup final and which we molly the red bulls but ever since then we have not been able to produce anything we can't score goals we can't make anything happen on the pitch we can't we can't even put the ball forward like all we do is pass it back like every anytime the ball gets passed to benji he just runs up the wing runs out of ideas and then just passes it right back and then there's the end of that so this relief although it wasn't the prettiest game facundo Torres showed up again, our DP. Of course. And we got a result that, honestly, everybody was really scared of because we could not lose in New York after that Open Cup semifinal. It just wasn't, it it just would have torn out. Everything else would have broken in Orlando at that point. So it's a massive, massive win because it keeps them on track with a team in Miami who got a massive win, keeps them on track with New England who took care of DC United. And I'm sure we'll bring this up a few times with something Orlando couldn't do. Um, and Cincinnati, who got a late equalizer against them as well. Um, so, I mean, this is a really, really tight Eastern Conference. Columbus also got a point on the road in Colorado. They're only one point away. Um, there's like, what, five teams that are all within one point of each other right on the line. At this point, how do you how do you kind of rate your playoff chances? Do you think you're going to make it over that line? Is the Open Cup something that maybe stumbles, you know, it takes focus off of the regular season? Or is this a team that's going to use this momentum and just kick on from here? I honestly, I couldn't tell you. 
with, with the way the East is and then the way we're playing with like the inconsistencies all year long, like if we win the Open Cup, I think, you know, we'll have enough momentum to really make a playoff push. If we lose that game, I think, you know, the team is already struggling as it is. I think that heartbreak in the final, I think it'll it'll kill the chance of the playoffs 100 percent. Yeah, I mean, if you guys are, are you scared of Sacramento? Let me ask you that. Are you scared of Sacramento? Ah, uh, no. no, no, I'm not actually like not at all. No. And, and simply like not saying that like Sacramento can't come to Orlando completely embarrass us because that is 100% on the table. But Orlando has proven no matter what, that when it comes to knockout competitions, they can hang with whoever it is. There was the MLS's back where we made it to the final, which we were still a poor team. Oscar Pereira had just come yeah. in with COVID. Like it was just, you know, nothing really made sense. Somehow made it to a final in the MLS's back and then finished the year off pretty strong, made it to the playoffs for the first time in club history. So and won crazy games too. That penalty shootout against NYC, where Schlegel ended up coming in as the goalkeeper, as the defender, to save literally save a penalty to win the the game. It, it was it was incredible. So yeah, after their goalkeeper had been sent off because he went over the line on a yellow card already, yep. he, he stepped over the line trying to save a penalty, and then he got sent off for that. So it was a wild playoff game for sure. Um, so yeah, let's talk a little bit about this this Orlando Red Bulls game. Is there anything tactically that's that's changed here in this game that kind of allowed you to to beat the Red Bulls, or or was it just kind of more of the same? And you just happened to get a, a lucky goal and they couldn't break through. Uh, so it's it's a little bit of both. Um, for the Open Cup semifinal against the Red Bulls, Pereja actually changed the formation, where Daniel over here is not too happy about because Pereira became the eight, which made us better because he can sit back, he could pick up his head and he can put the ball wherever you need it to. And whoever it is running in behind, if they can get there and make some magic happen, like we score goals and that's what happened to the Red Bulls. And we've been doing that since then. And for some reason it hasn't worked outside of the open cup, but Pato also got hurt last night and him playing in the center of the pitch is like a number 10 say what you will about Pato. Yes. He hasn't really scored. Um, if, our other players could put the ball behind the net. He'd have a shit ton of assists this year, but that hasn't been the case either. So that kind of changes the dynamic because uh, who knows what's going to happen now? Well, yeah, uh, so we, go ahead. let me just jump in and say, shout out Taco Slayer. Jorge, you're the man. And it's great to just be hearing you uh, on the other end of the line here, talking Orlando, had a great time meeting you in Orlando. And you're right. Uh, you are the Orlando city guy. You know, you, you took us, you showed us up and down, a, a great row of bars and we had a great grand old time and you kind of were the key master to the city because I was rocking my Charlotte FC <laughs> uh, loud and proud. And thankfully I didn't, I didn't have to worry about any ultras uh, hitting me up and uh, there's none of those know, in the, Orlando, the, the firm making my life hell. Uh, you uh, definitely helped everybody roll out the red carpet for us, even me and enemy colors and, and everybody else that was on that trip was hard rep in Orlando as well. So I was definitely in the minority, but that's fine. And you're right. What you said earlier, because I am a little pissed, you know, to bring it back to so rare perspective, like I have a Mauricio Pereira super rare, and this is a guy that I play in some of my best lineups and I'm expecting him to win me big prizes. And all of a sudden I see him shifted to this DM role, which uh, not saying DMs can't score high in SoRare, but not really as high in MLS as they do in Europe a lot of times. And his role when he was the attacking mid and the, you know, the creative force that Pato has been feeling lately, it was a lot better for his scoring in SoRare. So I'm, I'm a little bit peeved at that, Oscar. I don't know why you did it, but I can tell you this. Great win against the Red Bulls. I'm glad you got the 1-0 uh, victory with Facundo stepping up, but Orlando had lost three in a row and they had, this was their first win in five actually. And so I don't really know what moving Oscar, uh, moving Mauricio to the DM is really doing for your team. So let's put him back at creative attacking midfielder where it benefits me. And maybe you guys can actually get back to some winning ways. What do you think? Uh, you know, I'm torn because anytime, and, and you'll see it too, even playing as a number 10, he drops back a lot. And when he does that, it allows the players on the wing to really find open space, which helps. He is the maestro of the team, right? So having him deeper back there with Caesar, having, you know, Urso on the ball too, when he's on, right, he Urso's is Urso's stealing on. his assist. I see goal, I see goal yep. Orlando notification come on my story data. And then it's like, I'm like waiting for the assist, hit me the assist. And it's freaking junior Urso and not Pereira. I'm dying over here. 
listen, it may not be good for your sober scores, but on the field, it it he he's the glue that keeps it together. And it, he is really dire back there because our production up top isn't there. You give the ball to Benji, he's just gonna lose it or he's gonna make a bad cross. Ruan on the overlap. I don't know what happened this season, but he's just gonna get up the field, blow everybody away, and then just I, I don't know, do what with the ball, just yeah. Like it's almost like against against Charlotte, he scored as as I was there in the stands for that one. Unfortunately, I literally think that that was was Ruan's only good game all year. Yeah, that was his last good game. I think (laughs) was that Charlotte goal, which surprised all of us. And then yeah, it's he got benched. He didn't even play last night. Mm. So we're we're Mm. at that point. But per until we get a backup ten or someone that's like we should have picked up Azuelo. I'm just saying he should never gone to Miami. Just saying he is thriving in Miami. Absolutely, and uh, and we'll definitely. Talk a lot more about Orlando City as we get a little bit later into the show, but I do want to get to some other games here as well. Um, we kind of foreshadowed a little bit the the kind of kind of pacing that Charlotte took uh, out in LA this week. Um, and I know you watched the game trip, and I know it's going to be difficult to relive this, but w- what kind of happened there? You know what what went wrong? Uh, pure pain, pure pain. Uh, Jorge got the first game of the day with Orlando, New York. I had to stay up all the way till 1030 Eastern to watch my team give a valiant effort for 45 minutes and then completely fall apart for the second 45. It was really rough. And Charlotte just came out in kind of a weird thing. We, we, we had speculated uh, the fans and supporters all week. Will they come out in a park the bus and just come out, you know, with like 10 at the back and just absolutely park this bus and just like try to just, Closed down LAFC that way. Uh, they didn't do that. They came out and played a, a their pretty much normal open lineup, a few tweaks to the starters. And that's a little bit unfortunate if you're playing so rare with, with Charlotte guys, which I do in my underdog and my America lineups, uh, you know, whether that's advisable or not, who knows, but they do, they can, they have guys that can put up some decent scores, but a lot of times there's been some weird tweaks to the lineup that always make them a little bit tough to play at the fullback positions and on the wings and stuff like that. Uh, the midfield is starting to rookies who don't have cards. So that makes it as uh, tough as well, but they're usually decent cards to play, but in this case they were not. And LAFC finally kind of after looking dangerous for the first 45, but Charlotte just kind of kept it together. And I think they had two shots on goal to our one in halftime, but it was like seven to to two shots total and then at one point in the second half i think it got to where it was like nearly 20 shots to our seven you know like lafc just like went nuts and they they were uh, racking up scores and points and uh, sefuentes got 100 at one point i don't know if that held up but i think it did and uh you know sifu is someone who should probably be moving on to a bigger bigger better league at some point this kid's disgusting really awesome yeah just like so good and like that's the kind of player i wish that charlotte would would go find uh you know someone who's we have a lot of young players but we don't have anybody that looks like that who's around a similar age to a lot of our uh guys who are still developing so so in in that transfer window do you think they did enough to kind of bolster the team because even before the season they came out and said look we're not going to build this team in one transfer window we're going to take a couple transfer windows I didn't really notice any other moves. Like none of them really moved the meter for me. Was there anything that, that kind of stood out to you? Um, or do you think they should have strengthened a specific area more than they did? Or, or, or what happened there? I would, I was someone who was beating the drum for more moves and earlier for sure. For Charlotte, you know, I, I do a Charlotte podcast. It's called the Charlotte soccer. So it's not really so rare focused, but it's just focused on our, our club. And, you know, we, we talk, you know, we talk what we think is pretty frankly, frankly there, you know, some people can say it's talking trash, but I, I was like, from the minute the transfer window was open, opened, I was like, let's get someone, let's get someone, let's get someone. And then one point I was like, I don't know if we are going to get anyone, but then some things started heating up on deadline day. We brought in Nuno Santos from uh, Benfica, you know, Portuguese Academy product played with all the, the best uh, club on as a youthful player coming up and he's still pretty young and he fits into a probably a starting number 10 for us at this point like i said we're starting two rookies in mcneil and and uh bender bender does have a card actually i said two rookies don't have cards i forgot bender does have a card mcneil doesn't santos i don't believe does so uh i'm pretty sure he doesn't otherwise otherwise i would have already picked one up but uh he thick projects to be our starting number 10 coming in but he's waiting for visa and then we picked up nathan Byrne, a right back from Darby County, who is probably going to be a starting right back for us because Affle, who had been the default right back starter, fighting off like a challenge from young Jalen Lindsay, those two kind of share that spot 70-30 to Affle for the most part. And now Byrne 
you know, should come in and be the number one guy in that right back spot. And so if you think that's enough, you probably don't. I sure don't. Uh, these guys are uh, another thing is, you know, we wait till the deadline, the very last minute of deadline day to uh, uh, right. pick them up and they don't have visas and they're they're training with us, but they're still not going to be. Available. Hopefully we're hoping they're available for the home match against Orlando uh, seven days from today, Sunday, the 21st, as we record this. But they realistically, it might be another week until the Toronto match that we have them on the 28th. So you're talking about reinforcements who come in and are expected to be good. And two, two of the three guys we signed, we signed another really young center back from French league too. But uh, these two guys project to jump into the starting lineup, but again, you're not getting them until the very end of August. I mean, the MLS season is long; it is a marathon, but it's almost over. We're we're hitting the home yeah, stretch got, here, so it's like, coming up eight fast. more, yeah. eight more yeah. games. <laughs> so, yeah. will they make the difference? We would have to 100% get a point in NY without the new guys. We'd have to. We if we don't get if we get beat again in New York in midweek, it's probably. It would it can't be mathematically over because as you guys described earlier, like the the tightness and compactness of the table, that spot is going to leave a lot of open possibilities, you know. But they're not probabilities, and so it, the the reality of Charlotte sort of like being on the outside looking into the playoffs right now is starting to settle in. But you got to, as a fan, I'm going to stay confident and say, hey, let's get some wins. Let's uh, let's do it up. So the the good news is you're only four points behind the playoff line. The bad right. news is so is every other team in the East <laughs> right. conference right. outside right. of DC. Right. So, I mean, you got Columbus on 34 and then Orlando, Miami, New England, and Cincinnati are all on 33 from six to nine. And then you got Chicago on 30 Charlotte and Charlotte, Toronto, and Atlanta are all on 29 now. So this is a absolutely packed Eastern conference. You've got Toronto and Atlanta, or I'm sorry, Toronto and Chicago that are coming on like freight trains from the bottom mm-hmm. of the league. Both of them are making their pushes now with insanely talented players from Europe coming over. Mm-hmm. You've got Atlanta who could kick on at any time. You've got Cincinnati who's trying to hold on as best as they can, but boy, did they need that three points in, in this game against Atlanta. Here. But they look good. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they can score goals. Like that front three is no joke. That might be the best front three in the league at this point. That's, um, but that's they a can't tough fall. They can't fifth to ninth on a late equalizer, you know? Right. Right. And I mean, had they won that, they would have been clear in fifth place and they're now in ninth place. Um, so, yeah. And then you and then you've got uh, Miami, who's got Pozuelo, who's come in and just absolutely torn up the league. And now Miami's sitting in seventh place. So um, it's a packed Eastern Conference. I mean, it's it's, it's kind of crazy all over the place. And I know we've, we've kind of talked a lot about Eastern Conference. We can switch a little bit to the Western Conference There are a couple games that we had kind of mentioned. And one of them, the one I thought was the biggest one, I thought SKC was finally, finally going to get some decent results. And they blow a 3-1 lead against Austin. And Austin just kind of keeps on cooking. They're pretty much locked into that two seat at this point. Um, did either of you get to watch this game? Did you, either of you have any impressions from from Austin? I guess we'll start with you, Trippin. Yeah, I, I always watch Driussi. Driussi's my boy, and uh, he's one of my favorite players in the league. So, I, as I said, I will find time to watch Sebastian Driussi. And I also love Brad Stuver. Stuver's like a, a stalwart of my so rare clubs from way back in the day. I carried two of his rares for a long time and played them like in all contests, and then I finally dumped one, and then I got a super rare. So I, I always love my guy Stuver. I love his charitable work in the Austin community as well, which is huge. Uh, if you scout your players on Instagram, you sort of get to know some of the <laughs> stuff they do off the field. So if you're not scouting your players on Instagram, you're losing edge for sure. So make sure you do that. But that's why you don't win rewards. You don't stock them on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. These are the little things that you only get on the Sower in the States podcast for sure. But the thing uh, that came really early in this game was. Stuver gave up two quick goals and one of them was an error. He gave, he had the big error, unfortunately. So his score was already in the, in the toilet, like right off the bat, like 25 minutes in or so. And so I was pretty bummed, but then like right at the end of the first half, he gets the, the penalty uh, free roll, which was kind of a delayed penalty free roll. Cause usually the penalty free roll is if it's one Oh, and you, they face a PK. But in this case, since he had the negative DA, it became like a, a free roll to get back to zero basically hopefully because the the third goal wasn't going to hurt him at that point if he gave it up so i was really excited but unfortunately johnny russell stepped up made it happen and it, it was not really much of a chance at a save there so he did save a penalty recently if it was last game week or two game weeks ago so i thought he might have had it in him but unfortunately that was uh not to be the case so i was pretty bummed at stuver at halftime and i'm thinking wow austin's gonna lose here 
and lose to SKC. I was like prioritizing Austin guys in into matchups as I was building lineups. I put Drew UC obviously one sure. of my most important with the captain and all that. And I, I played I played a Danny Pereira card that I don't always play, but I was like, okay, against SKC, I gotta play. So this, that, and the other. And um, yeah, and then another one. So this is kind of I uh in uh uh a friend of mine, Gator guy was like uh asking for uh, recommendations for uh underdog players for the weekend. And then I was like, uh, someone shouted in Moran Chuck. And then I shouted Julio Cascante. Uh, and I was, cause I saw the matchup and I was like a great center back against SKC at home. Let's go. You know, he likes to get in the box and Cascante did score, but uh, my buddy, actually, he was lot, he was smart. Uh, Gator picked up Moran Chuck instead, a little more offensive and Moran Chuck had a, so Cascante had like 80 points and Moran Chuck had like 93. So that's why uh, Gator's a winner. And Champagne problems right there. Yeah, should have got them both. Yeah, should have got them both, of course. Huh, and God. so, uh, yeah. And I didn't also, I did not get Kiskante myself, even though I shouted him out. So, you know, uh, maybe I should have uh, invested in, uh, put my money where my mouth was there. And I probably would have maybe had a better shot at a reward myself. But the Driussi is Driussi. And uh, stoppage time winner, the, he was robbed of uh, a few potential assists, you know, throughout the game. He's out there making plays. This guy needs the ball even more. And he, they need to treat Sebastian Driussi like uh, New England treats heel, which is just like give him the ball every single time. Whoever has it, give it to Carlos, give it to Carlos. And like if Austin would do that, I think that would put them a little bit over the top. And they may have to do that to beat LAFC when it comes down to it in the Western playoffs because these two teams are on collision course. I am going to back Austin for sure. I'm from the city of Austin. If it wasn't for Charlotte FC, I would be an Austin FC supporter. But because I've lived in Charlotte for the last uh, 10-ish years, I switched, you know, I had to go with the, the local squad and whatnot. And I do love Charlotte. It's a great town, but I also love Austin and I'm always going to watch Verde and they're my Western conference team. If you could put it that way. And I hope they win it. Jorge is, is Driuzzi the MVP unquestioned at this point? Is there anybody who's going to take it away from him? As of if Austin can keep this form? No, no. Cause I mean, there's a lot of other people scoring in the league and there's it it's st- starting to heat up the golden boot race. I think it was, was it last year or the year before that, where it was just like uncontested, just Tati just ran away with it. Uh, like, Ola Kamara tied. Yeah. Ola Kamara that was, was, that was all in like the last stretch of games yeah. too, wasn't it? He scored he like nine and eight games that. in the middle of the season. Yeah. It was wild. It, yeah. It's yeah. If Austin, cause Austin can score goals. They can leak goals. They will, they will just give them up as fast as they put them in. But if they keep up the yeah, if also if they make a deep run in the playoffs, if if yeah. they don't if they don't make a deep run, I don't think he wins MVP. I used to kill their coach also because I had a lot of awesome players last year when they were expansion franchise, and I felt like he misused a lot of like uh, Dominguez and Pochettino and Kolmanich. He's still misusing Kolmanich, but he did sub Kolmanich in second half, who made an impression. He subbed in Felipe Martins, 85th minute, who instantly got an assist with I think his first touch. You know, was after subbing on the pitch. So shout out to Josh Wolf, who's grown as a coach, guy that I killed a lot in any uh any, t- any chance i got in public or private and uh since i'm in public here i just want to say Sh- josh wolf you really impressed me this year you've done a great job and he may be a candidate for coach of the year to be quite perfectly honest i think it's it's got to be either him or Terundolo because both of those guys mm-hmm. are fairly young guys and their squads are absolutely flying i mean I, you got to shout out jim Curtin as well in philadelphia because they just continue to be ab- absurd Dominant. but like jim Curtin's been there you know he's been there forever and it's just like, we just know he's that good. So like, he can't really be coach of the year. Um, but yeah, definitely LAFC and Austin are absolutely absurd. Um, so the other other kind of crazy game that I guess was a little bit of a mix between Eastern and Western Conference, Montreal and Houston. And I know you had some thoughts on this one, Jorge. Absolutely absurd game, 3-2. And, uh, and there was a penalty miss, right? Yeah, so Kyoto actually got a penalty on a terrible call, by the way. I forget who it was for Houston. Um, just went to go block block a shot and turned his back and falling down the ball bounced off of his knee and off of his hand while he was turned and hitting the floor they awarded the penalty after like 10 minutes of var and you know the back and forth and then kyoto walks up to the spot and completely skies it and kept the game 2-2 so it was it was just a wild game from there and it was just a back and forth game um mihailovic coming back oh uh, he had there was one ball which if if he would have scored this goal it probably would have been goal of the uh, goal of the week uh, it got past to him the ball just did a really slick turn off a defender just right in front of goal and unfortunately it got it was an amazing save but Mihailovic was on another level last night and uh so, go ahead 
Yeah, I was just gonna say so with Mihailovic coming back, because I had kind of written Montreal off a little bit. Um, and now with Mihailovic coming back, they're sitting second in the Eastern Conference, despite only having a plus two goal differential. Somehow they're second in the Eastern Conference. Is this a team that's a serious cup contender, or are they just kind of here for for fun and they'll they'll get knocked out in the first round? They might get knocked out in the first round, but Pantem is coming in as a new goalkeeper was incredible last night. Like he looked like he, he passed the eye test. He passed the, I mean, he scored what? 62 last night while leaking two goals. So he, he had a game himself. Come on. Miller, I think is so underrated by so many people. He is just so wicked fun to watch on the ball. He can drive up the field. He can cross balls in and he's a solid defender and he's playing for Canada in the world cup. Um, They're a dangerous team. And if Mihailovic can come back, do his thing. And did Kyoto get hurt last night? I have no idea. No, no, I, or maybe that's uh, there's like a little red, a red cross on so rare data, but if he can, he's been putting in goals consistently too. So if, yeah. if they could stay hot, they they can make a run. They're known yeah, for, for making sure. a run late in, late in the season. And you talked about how Kamal Miller is super underrated as a Canadian international. My guy, I got to shout out my guy, Jonathan Osorio. I'm going to do it every week until his price comes up because he's, he shoots eighties every single week. It's absurd how much this guy just every, every week he's scoring a goal and putting up 20 AA. It's, it's so easy. I just put him in my all-star rare lineup, put in four other guys that I know are going to start. I don't care how good they are. I know they're going to start Asorio shoots at 80. He picks up a hundred because he's the captain and I'm on, and I have my easiest 50 bucks of the week, every single week. It's super, super easy. Um, so yeah, I think that it's good kind of wrap up as far as where we are in the Eastern conference. In the Western Conference, things are very tight as well. Um, Dallas make, gets a big win over San Jose, gives them a lot of breathing room. Uh, big game later today as we're recording with RSL against Seattle. Both those two teams on the playoff line. Seattle really got to start picking things up. Colorado only able to get a point against Columbus. Um, Portland, lay lost in Toronto, right? Um, so yeah, yep. I mean, a lot of opportunity here for the, for the Western conference kind of playoff line teams to make a little bit of a push. Um, and, and it should get really, really interesting here. LAFC and Austin kind of running away. And now Dallas has got a four point cushion in that third spot. So everybody else is still down there in the mixer. Um, is there any, any team in the Western conference that stands out to you tripping that you think can make a run at those two top at those two at the top, or is it just those two and, and no one else? You, you got to go with the guys who always do it. There's the two model, teams that always do it. You got to be model, M- the model MLS franchise. The people were all trying to be like, you know, the, the greatest fans in the league, the greatest team the league could ever have hoped to be bestowed by God upon it. The Seattle Sounders, right? This, uh, I thought God's you meant the gift, Portland God's, Timbers. God's gift to soccer. No, yeah. Rui no. Diaz is back. Yeah. Uh, the, the Portland does set, uh, suffer from that same delusion. You're right. That they're the God's gift to soccer. But shout out to Sounders and Timbers. They do always do it. And they're both right there poised to do it again. I, I have a lot more faith in Seattle this year just because I think Portland lacks that that guy, that one guy, whereas Seattle has a couple of them. I know you'll, you'll throw Blanco back in my face. Blanco is still doing it, I'm sure. And that's fine. But Portland just kind of lacks that that flair that I like, uh, I, I guess I'd prefer to see a Seattle go on a run as opposed to Portland is the, is the better way to frame it. But I just think w- as long as Ladero still has knees and is still like banging out 90 minutes, every, every, uh, every damn game week, whether it's midweek or weekend, um, Rusnak, I think has been kind of underutilized. He's another guy, like we talked about Mauricio earlier, you know, Rusnak's a guy who can thrive as and become a so rare monster if he's in the 10 role, but he's been playing since the Joe Paolo injury. He's been kind of playing back in the the defensive midfield and that's fine. Um, But he could be unleashed. You know, he's going to help. He can win a match. He's a great player. Uh, Jordan Morris is probably playing the best soccer for his career. Rui Diaz is back as Jorge mentioned. I don't know. I, I think Seattle's the team to threaten all these guys. Real Salt Lake. I love Jefferson Savarino, but I don't know if they, or just maybe a little bit coming back to earth after overachieving early. So yeah. What do you think? So does anybody have an argument for Nashville being in the West this year? Cause Nashville's proven to be able to sit back and take any heat and win games somehow. Uh, I don't know about win games, draw games, maybe, but, <laughs> but here's, when, here's when the it problem. Counts, here's they the got real high at the end of last year and people thought yeah. that they were going to take it. 
somehow, some way they found it, and you can't count Mukhtar out. They haven't had a win in a calendar month. I can tell you that yeah. July 13th was their last win, but yeah, they're still in seventh place in the Western Conference. So here's here's it's the fine. problem with Nashville. Last year it was Hani Mukhtar was going to come up with a moment of magic every single night and they were never going to concede a goal. So it was very difficult to beat them. Mm-hmm. And it was even, I mean, they had a good chance of winning the game this year. They're not anything special defensively. They've given up 34 goals. A team that you said leak goals consistently. Austin has also given up 34 goals. So, I mean, they're nothing special defensively. They started out with that mm-hmm. long away run and they did pretty well. And you were like, okay, now they're going to come home and they're going to just turn it on and start blasting mm-hmm. people. And they have not done that. They're just still kind of treading water. Not to say that they can't turn it on, but this is not the same Nashville team that was just dominant defensively last year. And um, yeah, I mean, their, their goal differential is minus one. So it's not like they're, they're dominating people. Yeah, but they never have. They'll find a way. Spe- speaking of that, if anyone wants to buy my Joe Willis special edition <laughs> rare card, I give you good price. <laughs> I give you good price. It's his team. It's his player of the year, 2020. <laughs> it's got the sunburst pattern. It stayed in 2020, Call apparently. I'll me. give you. I'll give you two dollars. Call me. Is that what, a good price? What did happen to Joe Willis? Because he was a monster last year. Then all of a sudden this yeah. year, he's just ah, it, it, and they haven't replaced him either. He's just been playing. They, lo- they lost Alistair Johnson. That's what happened to him. They but they got Shaq so- Moore now. So here's what happened. They did replace him for a little bit uh, for a few games. They kind of messed with him and. Uh, they have a kid named uh, Panico who they drafted fairly high in MLS super draft. I'm pretty sure. Uh, and for Willis had an extremely bad run where he had, he had like error led to goal in like three out of four games. And this was actually before this was like, right. I bought him off the back end of this. Cause I was like, Oh, he's, he's never going to get replaced. And he's got to do better than this. And this is right before their home stretch was about to start. So I was trying to buy low and he's just stayed low, unfortunately, because panic, then they did give, start to give Panico a little bit of a shot and Panico had a couple of good games and he played in their cup matches. And it was kind of seen as like rewarding the kid for being a good soldier and giving him some playing time while giving Joe a chance to rest off some bad play. But then it was like established Joe would come back and Joe has been back and he's been playing. He had the, the only good thing he's done in the last, you know, six weeks that I can think of is make a crazy fingertip save on new who, when they were playing Sounders and that would have been new who's first ever career goal. And like, we all would have, you know, he doesn't have a goal. There would have been much rejoicing. Yeah. And uh, so, but unfortunately Willis stopped that one. He hasn't stopped anything else. And so I, I, I'm a new who owner and a new who fan. So I would, you know, as much as I make fun of the Sounders, I would have loved to see new who get a, a sweet goal. And Joe made it this, one of the saves of the year to stop that. But that's, like I said, he hasn't been saving anything else. He also has a really fun show called Between Two Posts, which is also great. I watched that once, one time, exactly one time. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's the Western Conference. Um, yeah, so let's talk a little bit. We're going to get into Orlando a little bit uh, a little bit later on, but I want to talk right now about kind of planning for next season, which is difficult to do, right? Because we have so much still to get through this season. We have an entire World Cup to get through. We have free agency. We have the draft. We have a transfer window. But at some point, you start you start to kind of want to build your team for next season. And you want to try to pick some of these guys that are more, um, we'll say, established in their positions and have kind of been there maybe a year or two um, and hopefully don't have much interest from Europe because that would be a disaster if your guys going to Europe. So how are you guys? I mean, obviously, the market's very low. How are you guys kind of trying to plan for next season? Are you are you trying to buy a team at the end of this year? Are you going to wait and kind of remove some of that risk and buy at the beginning of next year? Um, what's your kind of plans going into this offseason? And we'll start with you, Jorge, as, 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 as uh, what, what, what are you trying to do here? Um, Right now, I have so many MLS cards. It's not even funny. So for me, like for next season, I'm like, I could be set. People can move around league wise. You know, if they go to Europe, you know, sell the hype, you know, get out and buy some more MLS cards. Because right now where I'm at, I'm like, I'm going to focus on MLS. And until I have a solid team where I'm consistently winning rewards, fine tuning and everything. And then from there, I'll kind of extend. But I am I am kind of scooping up a World Cup hype. I'm scooping up players that kind of drop either. And the market's so hot with Europe coming back that things are volatile again. One thing happens, and and you've seen it, and I've seen people talking about it on Twitter as well, is that one player has one bad game, and all of a sudden, you know, his price price drops half, you know, just because he had a terrible game at the beginning of the season where nobody nobody really knows what's going to happen yet. 
So there's a lot of opportunity in the market to scoop low and you could either flip and sit on some ETH and kind of wait for the players that you want. Or like me, I'm just big, like Kamal Miller, super cheap right now. You know, at the end of the day, people are going to be people, the normal market psychology, people are going to wait till the last minute. World Cup's going to sneak on them. They're going to go, oh crap. And then they're going to go and they're going to scramble to buy all these players. And once all the good players are gone, it's going to trickle down to the younger, smaller players that nobody really knows about. And it should be a good time or it's going to blow up my face, but Kamal Miller is a great player. So whatever, dude, I'll have a lot of, a lot of Kamal Miller, whatever. So by great players that everyone's going to pick up, I assume you're referring to Aaron Long, um, who I have, I think 16 copies of now at this point, I am, I'm collecting all of the Aaron Long. So if you have an Aaron Long that you'd like to sell me for free, I will gladly take it. Um, I don't understand why his price is so low being as how he's virtually guaranteed to be the starting center back for the U.S. national team in a couple of months, right? Like, I mean, there's really not, I mean, John Brooks is gone. Ryle, uh, Miles Robinson has an ACL. Like there's no one who's going to take that spot. So I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. I really, I really don't either. Uh, maybe it's just people not preparing for it. Maybe I think from people that have played silver for a long time, maybe like international breaks kind of suck on silver as the general consensus. So maybe like people really don't care, but I think it's a perfect opportunity for silver to really push their brand yeah. and push their game and capitalize on the world cup. Cause the whole entire football world is going to be eyes on the world cup. So there's a lot of opportunity there. So I really don't see silver not pushing heavy into it. It might not be like the grandiose thing, the greatest thing we've ever seen, but I do feel like they will push it heavy and it it could benefit for a lot of people. Yeah. You talk about the world cup and it's like, that's kind of been my hesitancy to buy a bunch of European cards so far. I have a bunch of MLS cards just like you, Jorge. And I I play hard (laughs) on MLS that like, I'm trying to get, I'm, I'm competing now against, you know, uh, Kimmich's 100 that he got today, you know, with my MLS guys and, and, and uh, all, all that entails, but Believe. I do think, yeah, yeah, I, I have one before I can do it again, I hope. But I do think that uh, you're right. It's tough to know exactly which guys to buy because it is so early in the season. I, I like to d- uh, decrease risk it is kind of my driving principle. So that's why I ha- I'm sort of maybe missing out on a few deals just because I want to let Europe stabilize a little bit before I invest heavy in it. And so I'm actually kind of not really buying anybody, although I did uh, just pick up uh, a, another card from my Charlotte collection, obviously a pretty big one. Uh, you can go, you can go check out my collection if you care about that. But uh, um, the, uh, the, the opportunity is there. If you really believe in MLS guys though, like you said to buy now, because now is the time I think to like be buying America cards. I'll, I'll include Argentina even in that, even though they, you know, they have a ways to go to to get the end of their season. And I don't know the Brazilian league as much, but I would assume it's similar there. Like this is a good time to buy. And that's why I'm not really selling anyone. I'm uh, guys that I know are not really part of my long-term plans. I'm still holding on to try mm-hmm. to sell in the preseason because right, right now is not the time to be selling cards unless you really just need the ETH to be turning around and flipping, but this is the the downtime in the market. So you want to be, you know, shooting for those people who are forced to sell into this market because, or got, got in so cheap that they're happy to sell maybe at a, a small profit right now that can obviously happen, but I wouldn't be selling right now. And if you believe in someone, it's a good time to be, to be buying. And a lot of people too, who play the game for rewards, like our good friend Bob does, he'll, sell cards at the end of the season because he can't use them for three months. So he'll just end up selling his team. A lot of people will end up doing that as well. Um, Now, my question here to you is like, if you have guys that you, that you really believe in long-term and you really want to flip them, is there a specific, like, is there a specific day or a specific week that you want to try to target that? Or is it more like you want to, you want to kind of spread it out over like a month? Cause a lot of people ask me like, when's the, when's the drop, right? When's the lowest point? And I think a lot of people in a lot of people's minds, the lowest point is like a day that some that everybody's price is just at the lowest. And for me, it's kind of more of like a range. It's more of like a, it's more of like, I'd say like a month and a half to two months where I'm, but I'm looking for different opportunities because not all players are going to drop at the same time. Um, so when does that kind of range happen for you? I guess is, is my question here. Go to tripping. It's different for different cards. I know that's a weak answer, but it, it really, it's all about playing the market and timing the market. And like the, the, if you're in it to maximize profit, you just need to be checking all your cards and all the cards that you're interested in, in terms of a watch list, like all the time, almost every day to really know when you're getting like what you can be happy with as the best deal. As far as trying to pick 
a range just to give an answer to the question. It's it's also going to be different this year compared to the last two seasons because of the World Cup that we mentioned earlier. So the World Cup's going to throw everything off. But if we try to take some lessons from what we saw last year, you saw a, that MLS really picked up sooner than you would have thought. I thought there would be that MLS prices would stay low until like February and, and end of yeah. January into February, but they really did start picking up even at Christmas, uh, even mm-hmm. at like late December, MLS like, market got hot and stayed that way. And I think it's because a lot of people were joining. So that's the other factor that comes into play is the market's going to heat up or cool off a lot of times, not just based on the time of the season of a certain league or how a player is doing in their own certain game, but also how many people are joining so rare and need new cards to get into the game. So it's all of those factors and like 20 more that I haven't mentioned. That's what makes it so tough. But to give a range, I'm going to say in terms of the lowest of the low, I'm going to say like probably late October, Halloween, Halloween to Thanksgiving. How about that? Halloween to Thanksgiving. And it, it, it could be even faster though, because the world. Yeah. Cup, could throw it off. I, 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 think, it's, I think it's there. faster I than that. Yeah. Because yeah. okay. I think if you're looking at, at the timing of last season, like last season ended around, uh, was it December 12th was the final? Yeah, um, that, yeah. And this year it's it's like the beginning of November is the final. So I think you almost kind of move everything up a little bit from, from where it was last year. That makes sense. Um, so I think, I think we'll see, I, I never like to, if I'm, if I am trying to buy stuff, I never like to wait till after the season because everybody in their mind thinks after the season, everybody's going to sell and I'll be able to buy cheaper. So they all wait to buy till after the season and everyone who's going to sell, they all think, well, I'm going to get a jump on the market. I'm going to sell with three games to go because it's three games. Who cares? And so they all have sold their teams already by the time the end of the season gets here. And now all these new buyers come in and the demand actually increases. Um, now with the start of the season being later than it was this year, cause we expect it like late March, like a normal start time to the season. Whereas this year, obviously started in late February, cause we had to get it in before the world cup happened with the season being pushed back, maybe about a, a month from where it was this year. And the end of the season this year being about a month forward, we have a longer off season. How do you think that kind of affects the, the flipping range here, Jorge? Uh, <laughs> It's hard to tell because typically, yes, the run up, it's it's the typical like market psychology, right? It's buy the rumor, sell the news, right? So you you buy the rumors, you buy all these speculative players at the beginning of the season. Guys, a lot of people are going to look back to last year, you know, and say, oh, these guys were hot. I'm going to pick them up. But obviously, we all know that that doesn't translate. Just because you were good last year, it doesn't mean you're going to just hit the ground running and just pop off again this year. And then once that starts happening, you know, you're buying the rumor and then boom, guess what? He's not that great. And it starts dropping. On top of that, this year, ETH has been so volatile and the ups and downs like, dude, ETH's already up to $2,000 again, right? And probably more the way it's going right now with the ETH merge coming up. So it's really hard to tell. Me personally, I think right now this is like about like peak bottom. I think think it'll kind of fluctuate. I think it'll fluctuate up and down and we'll have like a little bit like right now we're going to get a huge rally because Europe is back, right? And I, but I think it's going to come back really hard, really fast. And it's going to die off. The MLS died off really fast this year. Mm-hmm. Like the cards died off, you know, a month, a month and a half into the game. I think right now with all the volatility and like all the things going around just with crypto in general, I feel like there aren't a lot of net people jumping in quite yet because they don't trust the overall macro market. But I think as the end of the year comes along, the world cup comes along and into next season, I think that, if you really, if you're in it to like trade and you really want to make a profit and you don't mind holding things for a few months, I feel like right now is a great buying opportunity. And if it goes up real quick, sell the pop real quick and then yeah. buy back in when it comes right back down. Because as soon as it pops, right. you, you see it, you see the spikes and you see all the people get trapped in those cards at super high prices. So yeah, I think it's p- picking your spot, watching your guys, finding a group of cards or guys that you really want to and just keep an eye on them and just watch the market. And I know we all want that shiny new toy right there, right then. But if you watch it, you pay attention, you you can catch some dips for guys that you really want long-term and mm-hmm. not really have to worry about it. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a good point is like, we're in a, a really low market right now. Cause a lot of guys are selling their MLS guys to go and get European guys. Right. Which I, I don't think is the right move trading wise, but I mean, if you want to play for rewards, those cards have way more utility now for a longer period of time than the MLS cards do. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think I'm kind of in the middle of you two. I don't think it's quite going to be as long as Trippin thinks. Um, but I also think we have a little bit further to go down. So I would start researching and start putting together my team at this point. Um, but I think I would start, I, I, I don't think I would start actually buying them until 
depending on how things go, maybe another three, four weeks. Um, and then I think you have about a month of a buy window um, to like maybe early October. With the amount of ETH I spent on my MLS teams this year, if these guys aren't good for me also next year, then I should quit the games. <laughs> I'm just going to put it that way for myself. I might have a few of those cards <laughs> yeah. as well where I yeah. really need them to pop off soon because yeah. I'm tired of looking at them. For sure. And one of those is Kiri Shelton for me. I bought him. So he's like very, He's I bought him for literally like $2. And I was like, okay, he's a starting striker. Like he can't be like he can't be worth this. And he just stayed there all season long. I've just had to look at seven Kerry Shelton's in my in my lineup. Um so let's go ahead and get back into a, a little Orlando talk here. And I want to kind of go through, I want to kind of go through some of the players and, and kind of get a deep dive into maybe some underrated guys, maybe some guys that are a little overrated. Um, so I have a couple of guys in mind here that, yes. that I'm gonna ask you about. Um, so the first one is Facundo Torres, right? So I love, love me some Facundo Torres. I think he's one of the best young players in the league. I think he is a little um, overshadowed maybe by some of the other signings that got made this offseason. But for me, he's one of the top two or three that came in. Um, what are your thoughts on Facundo having watched him day in and day out for the entire season? Facundo is the guy. He He has it in him. He's still a kid and you could see it. Oh man, I think... Well, I don't remember if it was the first game or the second game of the season. I think it was like his first game he started. He was getting tossed around like a toddler on the pitch. Like, I feel like, I don't know, like if these guys just knew that he was just a young kid coming into the league and there was a lot of hype, like he was like the main signing from Orlando. Like Erkin Cara came in a little late, but he also picked up a knock in preseason. So they didn't really like push it for the beginning of the season. So it all kind of fell on Facundo and they bullied him. They, they really did bully him on the pitch and it was kind of funny. And a lot of people were kind of skeptical on whether he would actually grow into that role or not. Because he's filling a lot of shoes. Realistically, he got brought in to replace Nani. Yeah. Like, that was his role. He was going to be the playmaker, you know, the creative guy on the wing that's driving at players, you know, putting people in, like, really being the creator on that side. And it took it. You see it. There's sparks in it. We're really starting to see it, and he's starting to flow. And I think last night you could really see it uh, for those that watch the game. Uh, they don him and Matinho just dominated the left side for a majority of the game. And they really did control a lot of the things that happened, you know, in the final third, um, it might take some time. Um, he could, you know, stay hot until the end of the season and do some really nice stuff for us. But I think to really see him at his peak, I think next year might be the year where he really like takes the league by storm. He could, it's in there. He's so fun to watch on the field. He's so silky, man. It's just watching him turn, watching him cut in guys, like watch him just, play he's so good with the ball at his feet it's it's a, he's an incredible player for sure and we've kind of talked about how it can take guys a, a little while to adjust to the physicality to the travel of the league and you know guys don't always dominate from day one coming into the league um and i think you saw that a little bit with with facundo and he's kind of a maturation process just as a player in general but also adapting to to this brand new league um and another guy that you brought up that i actually wanted to ask about as well john moutinho who who was really really good a couple of years ago if i remember correctly and didn't have a great season last year um and has, has kind of been in and out of the team if, if i've if i've seen correctly he's had some injuries this year right um so where, where are we at with john moutinho is he gonna is he gonna be a superstar like he potentially could be um, or is this just kind of where he is, just kind of an injury-prone, you know, kind of guy? So Matinho came to the league through the super draft at LAFC, if I'm not mistaken. He was a Bob Bradley player. He didn't really do much. Jao Matinho's bones are made of glass. That kid is <laughs> always hurt. Never. That's why I didn't buy him at the beginning of the season. I remember before the season started, he was like $20 or something like that. And I, I didn't want to buy I didn't want to buy him because I was like, he's a good player. He's really good on the wing. You can see the scores that he puts up, but he gets hurt all the time. So I didn't want to risk it. And then, you know, his price went up to like 200 something for his limited. And I was like, well, you know, I guess. All right. <laughs> Like, I, I think I, I think I got that flip in actually. Yeah, to be honest. yeah exactly. And he, he did get hurt again and he's yeah. back now. And he, he's he's he had a terrible game last night. He killed my lineup. I probably would have been close to a podium this week in America if it wasn't for him. But he, he is a really good player. He loves to get up the field. Uh, he's a good defender as well. He's he can be a liability at times with how high he gets up. But when he is back there, he can really shut, you know, shut down some problems if he needs to. Um He's a quality player. He's on his last year of his contract. Uh, there's a lot of rumors already floating around that he might get a move to Europe. Um, so that's a thing. So if you want him for MLS, I would say 
mm, might not he might not be here, but at the same time, you also run really high injury risk with him. So if you if you get, if you can get him for cheap and put him in when he's playing, he will put up some good scores for you. But you just have to be very careful because yeah, he can break something at any time. I think he was the first 2023 unique card for MLS that was minted this year. Uh, he was one of the first. Yeah, yeah, that, I, yeah, that card went up for sale while we were in Orlando. Yeah, I couldn't stop staring at it and just <laughs> wishing that I could afford it. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever be able to afford a unique. I've been looking at some of the uniques as like, how, how are these guys go for this much? It's absurd. Um, so let's talk about, um, I, I guess, give me one player from Orlando who's underrated in your opinion, who either just gets overlooked by people and is putting up scores or who maybe isn't putting up scores right now, but you think could do so in the future. Antonio Carlos, Antonio Carlos, Antonio Carlos by his card right now. He put up what seventy last night, I think, with no decisive. He's such a beast. He's a monster. Yep, one healthy. Yeah, and the problem with Antonio Carlos and last year, he actually got a concussion while scoring a goal. He scored a goal <laughs> while knocking himself out. Amazing. Uh, and he was out. Um, it, it took him a little bit to come back uh, before he was like his full, like just dominant self. Um, and you mm. kind of saw it again. He's still just on the. He came back at the beginning of July. You know, when we had eight games in the month of July, which was insane for the team, which I'm hoping was also the cause of start poor form. But he he seems to be fully back. He is just so dominant. I have never seen a guy just celebrate a tackle in the box like he just scored a goal. And that is any any time, any time, if you ever watch an Orlando game and you see Antonio Carlos either going for a crazy like slide tackle or just anything just ridiculously like in the box, you will watch him just lose his mind over it. And it is he's such a great guy. I think him coming back is going to add to a lot of leadership to Orlando, um, especially in the back line, which we have struggled when historically, yeah, Orlando could never really score, but we were somewhat okay defensively that keep us in games. Not this year, but I think him coming back, he's incredibly cheap and he can put up really good scores without a decisive. So I think he's really underrated. And as long as he's healthy, he is in the starting lineup. Oh, for sure. Yeah, he's a monster when he's healthy and, and he's rolling. Um, he, he's, 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 ever, a, he's like, uh, he's as good as Yamar. I think you, people think yeah. of Yamar yeah. as the number one defender in MLS for SO5, but I think Antonio's right there with him. Well, you could say Janssen too. Those two back there when they are together, they are probably one of the best you know, center back pairs in MLS, both of them healthy. They are both just very dominant on the ball. Both of them, if they really want to, they could take that ball and drive up the field, you know, you know, break the lines, like really create like extra pressure. And you see, I think Tripp, when you guys were in Orlando, he had a crazy run like that. I think yeah. Johnson early Johnson, in that game. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, he scored. Yeah. yeah. And he puts up pretty good scores too. I think Antonio's definitely better than him, but they're both like really quality center backs. If you really need something for like an underdog league where they could really put up good scores for you. So my question on Antonio Carlos is, is does he have that top end potential, right? Does he, is he really going to score or assist that many times? Because I know with a few defenders, like Aaron Long is really good in the box on headers. Um, Cascante is really good at scoring. He scores every time we talk about him Um, is, does he really have like, he's, he's going to put up, 35 AA, but does he going to get that decisive to put him at a hundred? Um, he can, he did it last year. He, I think he scored two or three goals last year. Um, this year, not so much. So he went out on a terrible, like knee injury that sidelined him for most of the year. He is a very dominant force in the box, but I think with that injury in the back of his mind, he might not be as willing to really go in there and fight for a ball, you know, with a header, with the risk of him falling on a knee, which, you know, as healthy as he can be, obviously it's not a hundred percent. There's no way. So I think, that hesitation might keep him from putting up some, you know, decisive scores this year, but it, he, it's definitely in there. He is a dominant force in the box when he's in there. So, so let me ask you about another, um, a younger guy, maybe. And I don't even know if you have a, a much of a scouting report because he hasn't played much for Orlando this year, but he's been tearing up MLS next pro and a guy that I loved in the draft. Oh, this Oh yeah. And I think, you know, who I'm going to talk oh, about. So yeah. let's, let's talk a little bit about Jack Lynn and how he may be the greatest player of all time. Um, Tell me, tell me, how's it looking in Orlando? How does he fit into the team? Is he going to get minutes at the end of this year and going into next year? Um, And what is, what is his realistic potential? The entire fan base is upset that they have not seen more Jack Lynn. I think Jack Lynn in MLS next, I think he has 12 goals in 14 matches. I think some of that, like he is just tearing. Yeah. Well, uh, the, the whole Academy, you want something that people don't talk about is the entire Academy itself. You know, the MLS next all-star 
the player of the match for that game was an Orlando City player, U17. We have like three or four guys doing the under 20 or the under 20s for the U.S. men's national team, like all for an academy that nobody knows about yet. So that's excellent. But uh, as far as Jack Lynn, he's just he's really young. He tore up college. You know, he came out hot. He was a really top prospect. Um, it's been tearing up an MLS next. He could put goals away. He can. Uh, he's more of a target striker, though. Uh, he needs service, which is something that we don't really have. Um, it could be due to his young age. He he is he's a you know he's a very big physical guy. Um, he 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 has a bright future if if he has the right guidance, which Orlando has you know done really well with young players. I think he could thrive here. He just needs minutes. Uh, but the the whole front line is just so in the mix. I think at this point, Oscar would just let him develop in MLS next. Let some of these guys like we also we also brought in two wingers in this you know in this transfer window which we have no idea whether they're going to stick uh they're true wingers they're not really out and out goal scorers which is something that we struggle mm-hmm. with so they don't really make sense but you know Jao Kini and Arungalo and uh another we have brought in a, another defensive mid too from Peru that plays with uh Pedro for the national team so uh Jacqueline is I hope he's incredible the whole fan base is mad he's not playing he he needs I say put him up top right now, especially with Pato out. I think this might give him an opportunity because Carr That's is about to come. Carr is about to come back with his second ankle injury of the year, so he's been hmm. out. Jacqueline, he deserves a shot, and I don't think anybody in Orlando would be pissed off to see him start any game, anytime, wow. like tomorrow. He has because, played, according to Sower data, he's played a grand total of four minutes this year across three different appearances. So, yeah. you know, he's he's really getting the, the minutes in there. But yeah, dominant, dominant at MLS Next Pro. So I'm excited to see him. And then a guy, you just brought him up as well, a transfer uh, in, uh, a guy that's been in the U.S. Men's National Team picture off and on throughout the years is, is Giacchini. How does he, and you said he doesn't really fit too much, um, but you also said they kind of need some more service and they need some more guys to kind of put the ball in the box. Is that what Giacchini, is that what he's intended to do? Or is he going to be like an inverted winger type of thing? Or, or what? How, how are they going to utilize Giacchini? Because he does have talent. No, he, he does. And uh, we haven't really seen it on the pitch. I think he played a couple minutes for that. I think the New England game. I don't know. I, I honestly, I wasn't even paying attention at the end of the game. That New England game was just horrendous on every level. Uh, we were all just hanging out like, on, like, I don't even think we were paying attention to the game at that point. It was just the whole <laughs> club is just so over it at this point. But uh, so we haven't really seen a lot of them. The way that I see it, especially with all these changes that Oscar has made, I think I almost think that we're banking on Kara coming back and just receiving service in the box. And just because Kara with service can put goals away. He has put away beautiful goals. He can make good runs. His hold up play is somewhat OK, could be better. He's terrible on the ball, terrible first touch. But if you can get the ball to his feet in the box, he will put it in the back of the net. So it's service, which is what we're really struggling right now. So I think the Jaukini play was really to get someone on the wing who could really, you know, drive at players, you know, on the wing and just put in a good ball for service, which is what we're really struggling right now. So I'm hoping that's the plan. Like I said, I haven't really seen much of him. I don't think I watched any of the games where he was playing for the men's national team. So I don't really know much about him. Uh, but I... <laughs> The spot's open, man. If you want to go out there and produce some, like go go ahead. At this point, it, it's anybody's spot to take, really. Because Benji, as fast as he is, it's he's just not it. He just doesn't have the finishing quality to do what he needs. He can get himself in great spaces. And there's if you watch all the highlights, it's him getting the ball in a beautiful spot in the box and just doing nothing with it. So anybody right now, please score goals. And I mean, it's been it's been a it's it's a young team too, right? Like there's not really a ton of guys with a bunch of age. I mean, Jay Keeney is only 22. So um, definitely could be uh, one to kind of watch for the future. Trippin, did you have any other any other questions or any other topics you wanted to bring up around Orlando? Uh, anything else that we wanted to, to kind of chat about? Well, I would uh, definitely say move Mauricio back to the 10. Uh, I will reiterate that if Oscar's listening. And then the really big question I want to ask you, Jorge, was I know you're in the playoff push and I know that win getting off that losing streak was huge and kind of keeps you all alive and, and feeling realistically about the playoffs. But if things go wrong and you go on a losing streak or whatever, is it all worth it to win the U S open cup? How do you feel about that as a fan base? What are, are you resetting the goals for the rest of this year or where, where do you go with that? Uh, so the general consensus is mixed from what I've seen and everybody that I talked to. Um, it's very mixed. Some people do really, want to just push for the cup and as long as we win the cup then it's successful season all 
you know, good and dandy. We'll see you next year. Um, other people are, no, we should win the cup because it's Sacramento and we should still make the playoffs because we are who we are. We've made it twice since Oscar came over. When Oscar came two years ago, the expectations for the club changed, um, especially of after the first five years of being in the league, just being completely just waste of seasons, basically. Um, so now everybody's happy. Everybody's dandy. And, you know, yeah, we've dropped in form again and it's pretty ugly. And a lot of people asking for Pereja out, which doesn't make sense, um, being that he's taken the club to two finals now and the playoffs twice for the first time in club history. So uh, it doesn't really make sense. But uh if we win the cup, yeah, I could care less if we make a push for MLS Cup because realistically, we're even if we make the playoffs, we're not a team that could just walk in there and win the MLS Cup. It's it's just the facts, at least right now. Maybe a first round matchup against Orlando, who you or excuse me, against Montreal, who you predicted earlier in this show would lose in the first round. So there you go. Hey, I mean, we did it. We did it last. No, no, we beat them to make the playoffs last year on decision day. Yeah. Oh yeah. So. Oh no, yeah, we did beat them in the first round of the playoffs last year too. That's right. With Sebas Mendes and that incredible goal. That's right. Go Lions. But uh, yeah, it's mm, if we make the playoffs, cool. And if we make the playoffs, yeah, we're winning MLS Cup. What do you? What's your plan for MLS Cup? What What do you? What's your day look like uh, in that when Sacramento comes to town? Oh, in Sacramento. Or excuse me for U.S. Open Cup. Sorry. Uh, U.S. Open Cup. Uh, I took the day after off because win or lose (laughs) is going to be an emotional long night, right? So either way, I took. So yeah, that day it's literally just finishing work as early as I can. And then probably go, uh, going downtown. Uh, there are a lot of things that as fans and supporter groups, we are planning. Uh, I know as far as the club too, uh, they've said that they really want to make it a really, I think this is their chance to try to win the city over again uh, because over the years it's really seriously died off. Orlando city went from being able to sell out the citrus bowl, which is like 70,000 to barely getting 20,000 in on a Saturday night, you know, right. under the lights. So it's been difficult. And I think being in a final, getting a lot of those old fans that maybe haven't been in for a while are definitely going to show up to that. And it, it's their chance to really win them over and then win just casual families over too. So I expect there to be a lot of festivities, you know, outside of the stadium. And, you know, of course the tailgate lots will be packed and the burgers will be flipping. The beer will be flowing. It, I can be speak a, from experience, a man. The stadium's amazing. And just like the walk, I forget the name of the street, but when you walk down the street and you see the giant lion oh, Main sign, Street, yeah, yeah, and just like you walk up and the, the the tailgate scene starts to bubble up around you, it really, really is an awesome time. And I, I had a great time there. Y'all, Orlando's great. If you're just an MLS fan, it, I know it's not as big in MLS the way that Major League Baseball fans sort of like collect stadiums, like oh, I seen a game in every stadium in Major League Baseball. You know, that's kind of a big thing. Hopefully, that'll become a thing in MLS uh, as the years go on because it's really there are a lot of really cool places to visit in this league and as a first year like hardcore supporter myself i followed charlotte all over the the country i've seen them play you know four four the five four or five road games and i it's just awesome to uh to soak in the culture of this league it's a, it's a beautiful awesome league it just gets better every year oh yeah that's my goal i've, I've been to one away i went to denver uh nice. in 2020 so that that was that was fun denver trips are always fun if your team's mm-hmm. playing in denver you go out of colorado Every excuse yeah. to go to Colorado this is good gave excuse. me a great idea. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, um, uh, it's it's incredible. I actually know a couple guys who have a pretty you know impressive away day record for Orlando City, and they're they're making their way down. There's actually a lot of people coming up to Charlotte next weekend. Uh, I haven't Tell decided. Them to get in touch with me, man. Tell them to get in touch with me. I uh, I'd be happy to show them around a few good yeah. bars. I gotta look. I gotta look at flights again after this, but uh, I might be making the trip as well. Oh so. well, I got your game ticket yeah. if you need it. So yeah, let me know. Yeah, I'll let you know. I got to finalize some things. Hopefully, if I yeah. can get that Monday off, then I'm definitely coming out. Yeah. And so if you buy the plane ticket, I got your game ticket. Easy. Yeah. First, Where- get the MLS, get all your friends into your hometown team, <laughs> and then travel with them because the way days are so much fun. Yeah. We're trying to get, or I'm trying to get uh, a group of us to go to to the Open Cup final because our our old goalkeeper from last year was Danny Vitiello, who's the goalkeeper for Sacramento. So wow. we may go, we may go a little em- enemy territory here and try oh. to support support the away team we'll see we'll see if it comes together uh we might end up having well, to work but games but that's fine. just about sold out so if you guys mm. can get tickets you get them soon because it's it's like under 100 tickets i think left so wow yeah, the house is gonna should be, be good fat. yeah it should be good good time then and, and anytime yeah. anybody wants to come to orlando i mean stranger danger or whatever but i've met some <laughs> cool people you know come through and hang you. out 
we can hang out. I'll introduce you to some people, you know, at the bars, the tailgates, and we'll watch some soccer. We'll get some purple smoke in your nose, you know, no big deal. <laughs> if anyone's dumb enough to come to Pittsburgh, same offer. Um, but <laughs> yeah, do we have any any other topics, anything else that we want to go over here with Jorge Jan? Dan? No, been great talking to you, Taco Slayer. You you uh thank you once again for welcoming me to your town and uh be happy to do the same and really great to share a mic with you and uh, hear some of your perspective and uh, hear you talk about your club. It's awesome. Oh yeah, I appreciate you guys for having me. It was really cool when you hit me up to be on it. I was like, yes, so down. Like, <laughs> you know, like I have my friends that you know I go to games with, but like in my like inner circle, like nobody really cares as much as me. So any anytime I get the chance to nerd out in some soccer, I'm I'm always down for. So that's awesome. Well, we appreciate you coming on and taking the time uh, and that'll wrap things up for this week. We'll see you guys next week.